right, let's stand and let's pray before we jump in this morning. Father God, we are so thankful for your word to us this morning. We say we love you. God, we want to hear from you this morning, your word directly to our hearts. God, we celebrate that you're in this place, and we say we're ready to listen. Your mighty name we pray, amen and amen. So if you weren't here with us last week, um, let's not forget the fine print series is celebrating this idea that the church is not built on the gifts and the talents of a few, but on the sacrifices of many. So this, is, this has always been true of the church, and it's true this morning of this church. Church is not built on the gifts and the talents of a few, but on the sacrifices of many. So what that means is Destiny Foursquare isn't going to succeed based on who we can get on the stage. <laughs> Amen? Um, Destiny Foursquare is going to succeed, succeed on pushing forth the mission of Jesus based on the participation of, of every single person in our house, being the, the family of God, and in the way that God has created you, gifting you, the way that he's designed you to contribute to the process of the gospel expanding in the lives of people in Rapid City and beyond. Amen? Can I get an amen for that? Amen. amen. And so that's what we're seeing in the book of Acts and in the epistles. And so as we're looking at the very early days of the church of Jesus, there are two things that I want to highlight about the expansion of this church. And you'll, if you want to follow along, you'll see in the back side of your bulletins there's some places you can take notes. Your first blank this morning, the big, two big ideas are these. First, the gospel strategy is a city strategy. Now, why would I say that? Because when we look at the accounts in Acts, which we've been spending some time in, um, in this series, as we look to the letters to the Ephesians and the Corinthians and the Colossians and the Thessalonians, these were important cities in the time of the expansion of the early church of Jesus. Why? Because I think God, who is all-knowing, he knew then, the same as is true now, that when something explodes in a city, it explodes everywhere, Right? And so now that doesn't mean that God doesn't love small-town America. In fact, how many of you grew up in a small town? That was me. And, and I am so thankful. For instance, I've got a good friend, uh, Pastor Jared, over at Bethel Assembly. Man, they have, I'm, I'm applauding Bethel Assembly. They have planted seven rural churches in the last couple years. I just had the opportunity to sit down with him this last week. God is doing amazing things. I love that. And there are some small town churches. I actually had a pastor come to my house when I was growing up in the city of Falkton, South Dakota, and we had church right in the house. And so I love the move of God in the small city. I, 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 um, I think it's important. And, you know, we have people that are, that are in the small cities that are worshiping and loving God with just as much passion and zeal, just as much enthusiasm and just as much purpose. Um, and it's important to build up the church of Jesus no matter where they're at, wherever they are in the world. But here's the thing. Here's the reality. The world is becoming urban. And, and it's becoming more so-and-so day by day. There's a little small book called Global Cities, A Short History. And in it, Gleg Clark, um, he says this. When the process of urbanization and relocation of population reaches its peak, more than 80% of the people on the planet Earth are going to be living in an urban context. Now, we would go, for a lot of us, you know, I get that. I live in an urban context. We live in a South Dakota urban context. Um, but this is the way society is going, which is actually good news for the gospel because the gospel travels out of cities 
into every stream of culture, into every town, into every village. And so when we hear about these towns that we're reading about in Scripture here, Jerusalem, the first city of the Church of Jesus, Antioch, Ephesus, Thessalonica, uh, Corinth, Athens, Rome, these were key cities. So, so let, me, let me tell you, here at Destiny, we have a vision to see all the people in the region, all, all the small cities and surrounding cities come alive to the gospel story. Amen? <laughs> that's, that's part of, of who we are. We want to see that, and we have a vision to see that happen in South Dakota. We have that, a vision to see that happen in the world. So while we're still going and growing here, what about we start praying now about what uh, city God's going to plant us in next? Amen? And, you know, I'm, I'm ready for Destiny 4 Square Box Elder, right? <laughs> I mean, I'd, I'd love to see. Um, I, I like how, uh, Brett, how Pastor Brett used to say it. We need some Destiny Child churches <laughs> happening around town. <laughs> so God has plans, and we just need the resources, and we need the people. And when God releases the resources, we already have all the vision that we can handle. God's filling us with vision. So there's the city strategy up front in Acts. We see it. The second thing that's really part of the boilerplate of all of this is that even though it's a city strategy that we see in the book of Acts, citizens are the gospel engine. Citizens are the gospel engine. So how does the city strategy work? Is it, is it by having some celebrity person who shows up in the city and tell everybody about Jesus? No, we can kind of think that sometimes when we read through the scriptures, like we were reading about Paul last time and we had that whole conversation. The gospel church worked then and it works now, not because the gifts and talents of a few, but the sacrifices of many. The citizens of heaven, which are you and me, we are the engine by which the church expands to influence cities and towns and across the world. And so this is why we talked about neighboring last spring, why it's so important to love our neighbors. And then we spread out into the avenues of culture and into the hearts and lives of every single person around us, even on our block. And, and that's our calling right now, and that's the plan. So if we're not on board with that plan, and we're, we're not really tracking with God, what God was showing us in the book of Acts. And so how do you know God's will? We've, we've spent a long time on this, too, uh, this last year. Number one, get your life on board with God's plan, and he wants to use you and me and us collectively to spread the story of Jesus to every single person on this planet Earth right now. That's his plan. That's the will of God. And so, you know, I don't know. Maybe we should. What house is it that we're supposed to buy, Lord? You know, should we do the condo or the split level? Or, you know, should we get a ranch by the lake? Or is it the lovely cottage in the field? You know, we don't know. We can't decide. Lord, give us wisdom. Show us what's your will for our lives. And he's, he's there saying, my will for your life is that you will use your life to spread the story of Jesus, whether it's in the condo or the valley or the ranch or the village, <laughs> wherever you're at, just get on board with knowing me and making my son famous. And, and so in your neighborhood, whatever that contest looks like, because they don't know that there's a grace and there's a kindness that is for them, I want them to know about. So the bottom line is that citizens are the gospel engine. That's you and me. The church isn't built on celebrities. It's built on citizens. So now just food for thought as we're getting kind of ramping up this morning. There's visibility and there's viability. Now, the reason I say this is because you hear people say a lot of the time, nobody sees me. Nobody knows what I do. I have a role that is a less visible role. And so there, there, there are visible roles in the kingdom, right? There always have been, and I guess there probably always will be. And then there are less visible roles in the kingdom of God, but the kingdom of God is visible only when all of us play our role in the kingdom of God. 
And, and frankly, whether you have a visible one that's on the platform or a less visible one, that's not the point because we can know that the whole process is viable because everybody is working in their roles and working in their part in the kingdom of God. And so think about this. If, I, if, if you had to have a heart valve replacement surgery, right, you would want to have a heart expert to tell you that. Am I right? You would want to have an, an expert to tell you that. You would not want to meet a kid that said, yeah, I was going to be a doctor. Well, I decided to go into insurance. I did have a, you know, study medicine for a few weeks. Right? You wouldn't want, you don't want that person telling you. You, you, you need a valve replacement surgery expert. You want somebody with a lot of credentials at the end of their name, right? And, and they've probably got to get their face on a website somewhere, you know, and some accreditations, and they're visible. But as soon as they make that decision, and as soon as they say, well, you, sir, you need to have a heart valve replacement surgery. I, Mr. or Mrs. So-and-so, have decided as an expert, as a specialist, that you need to have this. And as soon as the words come out of their mouth... There's about a hundred people that would be assembled into this process for your successful surgery for you instantaneously. Some of you experienced this before. I mean, think about it. Anybody have major surgery recently? You've, you've experienced this, right? There, there was a check-in person. There was the imaging specialist. There were the nurses. There were the nurse practitioners. There was the food service people, the janitorial people, the linen services, the pharmacists, the lab technicians, the anesthesiologists, the surgery prep team, security, the parking lot people out back, making sure the family gets in and making their way through the hospital, which is a maze. And the ICU team, the chaplain, maybe they got involved. The lovely people in the gift shop, they were on board. The building maintenance people, waste services, Rehabilitation specialist, there was an army of people that made your successful valve replacement surgery possible. But what are we going to do? What are we going to do? You're going to say, man, thank the Lord, I'm feeling great. Dr. So-and-so fixed my heart. Right? Most of us are not going to say or give very much credit to the very nice man named Larry who came in and mopped the floor during your stay. I'm, I'm standing here today, and it's a testament to Larry, right? It, who, who came in every day. We live in a culture that wants to push. This is what we talked about last week. We want to push somebody up to the top, to number one, and we want to give them all the credit. But the viability of any successful endeavor is the importance and the participation of a multitude of people in the work, specializing in a varied number of things, gifted in a very num various number of things, that no one else can do but them. And so what we want to become is this sort of, this is sort of like a pastoral moment, if you let me have a pastoral moment this morning. And le let me say this, we are completely honored and humbled every year when pastor pre appreciation comes around. It, it, it honestly keeps us going in many respects. Um, you know, it breathes life and encourage, encourages us to keep on going. And so thank you, thank you, thank you. But let's, let's get down to the nitty gritty this morning. And, and, and just, we, we want to become a church that is fine with some people who have some visibility or some people in our body that have some visibility, but understand that the viability of the church is everybody getting involved, everybody playing in the game. And the visibility part isn't a new thing. You know, um, it's just this, you know, this new era that we live in. Social media always push, pushes up people up to the front. And we, we had a very visible public uh, thing that happened this week with a 
world-renowned pop star who released an album, if you, if you don't know, Kanye West, of Kim Kardashian fame, has, has over this last year gone around the country having church services, released an album this week, and the world is just buzzing with the talk of this album from this pop star who doesn't have a very, how should I say it, Christian history, but everybody is talking about his album, which is named Jesus is King, that where he talks about, I, I, I listened to the whole thing this week, I've I, I read all the lyrics, there's some theology that's maybe not all quite there, but man, he talks about Jesus as the king and the rescuer of his life. And all this week, if, you, if, you, if you're in the social you know, platform, you've seen people that are talking about Jesus because of this release. And so, you know, it's, 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 we live in a social media world. It's nothing new. They, this, this happened last week. We were talking about um, Paul and Barnabas, right? We talked last week about Barnabas and, and Paul and how when they were in Lystra, Paul um, healed a man and then all kinds of pandemonium broke out. There was this temple, the Hermes temple that was nearby and uh, the, the Greek god worshipers, little god worshipers that were there, they thought B Barnabas and Paul were gods and they came from the temple that was nearby and they were bringing gifts for them and everybody was worshiping them and they said, the gods have come down in human form. We tend to try to elevate people, right? And so that's kind of the equivalent of, you know, somebody's Instagramming about a ministry or conference that they're at or some person so-and-so spoke and so-and-so saying this and one of our guys wrote a song that traveled around the world and changed history and somebody was on an album recording our video and somebody said something really... Same thing, this is just on steroids with these guys. And, and so they're saying that gods have come down in human form. So even way back in the beginning, some of the gifts um, led towards visible roles in the church, but the beautiful thing about it was Barnabas and Paul, and the story, is, if, as we heard, were not hung up on the visibility. They were all about the viability of the church. And so they hear this, and they come out running, and they said to these people, hey, listen, we're just ordinary people, but let me tell you about the one who is not so ordinary. He's the king of kings. He's the lord of lords. And they start telling them about Jesus. It's his power. It's his kingdom. It's his authority. That's what we're here for. So I, I just want to say pastorally, if somebody in our house gets some visibility, I'm going to say, let's applaud that. Let's, let's, let's pray for Kanye. Let's pray for his salvation and his story. It's going to be hard because of his visibility and his platform. If we have somebody in the church that gets platformed because of their gifts and abilities that God has given them, let's, let's applaud that because that's part of our body. But we, we want to cheer for them because that's somebody in our team that got some visibility. The problem isn't visibility. The problem is when we lose humility. That's the problem. And so if they're visible and they're not humble and they get proud, guess what? That visibility is going to bring them down. And, and, and it ultimately is going to reflect poorly on our Savior whose name they carry. And so I, I want you to be visible. It's our job. It's, it's my job as one of the pastors to make sure that we all stay on our knees and we stay humble. So if someone misspeaks and says, you know, oh, my goodness, you saved my life. We go, well, you know, God is the one doing all the saving around here, right? And it's, and it's, not, that, it's, it's, not, that, it's not that kind of way where we're, you know, pointing up to heaven business and saying, you know, it's, it's not me, it's the Lord. Um, yeah, we know that already. <laughs> but, but we can gently help each other and steer each other in this beautiful thing so we don't get pride when we get visibility. Hello? Right? And so 
what happens, that, that's, that's just not the people on the stage, that's for, that's for you on your stage and your company and the place that, uh, your platform that you have, your business, your organization, your school. That's for you to do. So don't run away from visibility. Just walk with Jesus in a way that the byproduct of it is humility in your heart because God wants to elevate us. He said in scripture, if you'll humble yourself before the Lord, he will what? He will exalt you at the right time. And so in every word, in every way, God wants to lift people up to give them influence, but it's all to give the, the kingdom platform, right? It's all to, to, to announce him. But it, it happens in, purport, in, promor, in proportion sorry, to that humility that's in our heart. So don't run away from visibility, but also don't despise the roles where it's not as visible because the goal here is viability, not visibility. All right? Everybody get that this morning? So... The goal that our house will beat with a healthy heart, and then we will touch people with lives all over the city and the world. That doesn't happen because of a few people with some gifts and some talents. It happens by every single person, sacrifice, everybody in the game, all in the same spirit. So we've got a lead story here. What's the lead story? Jesus. The lead story is Jesus. But the same Jesus is writing people like you and me into his story every single day. Uh, the person that I want to introduce to you today, uh, the people of the fine print, is uh, found in Acts chapter 9. Who is it going to be? As if her name isn't already in the title, right? Are you ready? Chapter 9, verse 36. In Joppa, that's a city and an important city, by the way, because the gospel strategy seems to be cities. In Joppa, there was a disciple named, here we go, get ready, drum roll. Yeah, get ready to meet her. Her name is, this is a female, and this is a female that is not going home, by the way. Sorry, I had to throw that in there. <laughs> For those of you who've been reading the news about the comments John MacArthur made last week. If not, if not, I don't have time to go there, but just know that at Destiny and our whole Foursquare family movement, believe in, support, and encourage men and women in ministry. Amen. Amen. <laughs> the founder of our denomination is a female, if you didn't know that. So Amy Semple McPherson, our founding, and our founding pastor of this church, is a female, Tana Parker. So it's, it's on the church legal documents. So ladies, please keep on answering the call of God on your lives and keep leading us. We need you. We need you and your gifts. So there was a disciple named Tabitha, and in Greek, her name is Dorcas. So Aramaic Jewish name is Tabitha, Greek name Dorcas. A beautiful name, by the way. That means gazelle, not Giselle, the animal, which in this culture is a sign of beauty. But, but, so we think of Dorcas uh, as a fast and a beautiful woman here in the scripture. And so she's, she's only mentioned twice, two times, two mentions, a handful of verses in scripture. And here's what it says about her. Who was always, can you say always with me? Always who was always doing good and helping the poor. And God said, write her in to the unchanging word of God. Write her in. When the flower fades, when the, when the grass withers, when everything you think is dependable is gone in a heartbeat, I'm telling you one more time, the word of God does not fade, but it stands forever. And so it, and in it is going to be the statement that says there, were, there was a disciple in Joppa, and she was named Tabitha, also, you might have known her, as, uh, known her as Dorcas. And you know why I wrote her in the story, guys? God says, because she was always doing good and helping the poor. So, the story turns pretty quickly. 
the next verse we read about the time she became sick and died. End of story, right? And, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Uh, Lydda was near Joppa, so when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, now, 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 so we've got Saul having just been converted in the chapter before, and he's now preaching the gospel, and we've got Peter, who from the beginning has been preaching the gospel in the, in the power of the Holy Spirit, and he's also been doing signs and wonders in the power of the Holy Spirit, and he's in a nearby town, and so the, the people loved Tabitha, and they loved, they loved Dorcas, and so they said, we know Peter's not far away. So go get Peter and see if he'll come and pray. And so it says, when they realized that Peter was in Lydda, um, Lydda they, they sent two men, some more fine print people right there, right? They send them. We, we don't know their names, but thank goodness for them. They volunteered for the job. And we'll go back to Lydda, and we'll see, we'll see if, if Peter will come back to Joppa and pray for our circumstance. And so they sent two men to Peter and urged him, please come at once. So Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows, more people in the fine print, right? We don't know their names. They stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. So now we're starting to see a little bit of the, the fuller story in this little snapshot. When Dorcas died, these widows took care of her. They washed her body. They put her in an empty room. There's no mention of family. There's no mention that she had her own people around her. So we think maybe from the context of this story, most likely that Tabitha Dorcas was herself a widow. And as a widow, being touched by the grace of God, she now was caring for the widows that were around her. And how does she care for the widows? She, really, she was a really good seamstress. And so... She didn't just show off by being a good seamstress and making a cool line of clothing and popping up an online store and doing her business and telling everybody how amazing it is. She said, I want to use this ability. I want to use the gifts that God has given me to touch at the least of these on the planet Earth. And so they showed Peter when he arrived all these robes and all these other clothing um, that Dorcas had made for them. And so they are distraught because... The person who saw them and valued them and cared for them and literally covered them with clothes is now dead. And, and they're imploring, can you see these clothes? Do you see everything that she's done for us? We're talking about a champion here. We're talking about somebody uh, that's a hero to us, a legend in our lives. We need you to implore to God uh, to ask him to do a miracle because this woman was changing people's lives. She was changing our lives. And so they're saying this to Peter as he comes in. I mean, don't you want that to be the story when you die? Don't you want people to be sad when you die, not just because you died, but because you were do doing something that was so significant that when you pass, you know, people, they don't know how and where that's going to be replaced when you're gone. And so Peter sent them all out of the room, and he got down on his knees and he prayed. Turning towards the dead woman, not this sleep woman, the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. Uh, yeah. yeah, I was just thinking it might get at least a little amen or something there, but <laughs> a wow or a whoa or a, a really, you know, but no, just chill, it's good. Somebody was dead, now they're alive. That's fine. It happens all the time. <laughs> you know, whatever. So then he called for the believers especially the widows, and presented her to them alive. 
This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. Now, Peter, you want some more fine print? I doubt anybody's got this verse highlighted. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. Maybe you've got a big circle around that one, a big asterisk next to it, February 3rd, changed my life. <laughs> it's the fine print, a, a, a tanner named Simon in the fine print. So what does this say about Tabitha? The scripture reveals a few things I want to talk about just really quickly today. Number one, she's the first female Greek mentioned in the New Testament story of the expansion of the church of Jesus. And so why is that important that I say that? Because the church started among the Jews. And for a good period of time, the Jews were of the mind that the gospel story of Jesus was only for the Jews. And so it was Abraham, Isaac, and it was Jacob, and all of them who come directly in their lineage. And it was, you know, we're the chosen ones of God. We're the people of God. Jesus has not come for the, uh, Jesus has come for the people of God, not for all the heathen people out there. It's kind of the language and the, and the, the culture and the times, the Gentile people out there. That's what they're thinking, who are not in the family of Abraham. And so, but as you read the scriptures, God obviously didn't send Jesus to the earth for just a few people. He sent Jesus to the earth for all the people on the planet earth. And I think Tabitha is a beautiful picture of that. Coming into the story in Acts, she's also the first female Greek non-Jewish person in the story. And obviously a person of faith, but not a Jewish person. And so what does that tell us? It tells us that um, this isn't an insider event. Church is not an insider event, people. <laughs> Anybody get on board with that this morning? It is not a country club. Church is not an insider event. Can I say that again? Church is not an insider event. Church is not something that we huddle into. The church is a moving mission of the gospel. And so another thing this tells me is that church is not an all-boys club, right? God put women into his story as leaders front and center all throughout scriptures, and we're all citizens of heaven. And as citizens of heaven, we all have equal access to God, equal access to the gifts, equal access to Holy Spirit, and we all have um, opportunities to be used by God in this story. I love this story of Tabitha. And so the second thing we can see about Tabitha is that she was a disciple. Did you catch that? This is, this is what it calls her in the very beginning of the story. Did you catch that? A disciple. Not just somebody who liked Jesus. Not just a Christian. No, very specifically, in Joppa, there is a disciple named Dorcas. Meaning, the way, you know, she was written in the fine print of the story. She was the, the way the youth, my, my youth pastor described discipleship to me. Was, you're so full of Jesus that you're spilling out. That was her story. She was so full of who, who Jesus was moving in her life, it was just exploding into the lives of those that were around her. She was a disciple. The, uh, she was taking the name or the label of Christianity and, and was stepping out from just being a follower of, of Jesus to, to being a follower of Jesus. She was doing the work. That's how you get written into the fine print of the story, right? She was doing the work. And so the third thing that I want to look at that we see about her is that she was a caregiver for those in the margins. To be a widow in this culture was to be put at risk in every way. There's, there was no covering. There was basically no rights. You could be taken advantage of at any time in any way. But the gospel story is no one's on the margins. 
Everybody gets included in the love and grace of God. And so how is that going to happen? Just mysteriously? No, it's going to happen by people who've been touched by the gospel. And check this out, specifically people who maybe themselves were in the margins of life, but now have been brought into the household of faith and into the kingdom of God and into the promises of God and into the hope of the gospel. And so when they did that, they didn't forget the people that they knew on the margins. That's Tabitha's story, right? They carried all that goodness and the grace back to the people on the margins because who better to step into their story than somebody who's been there before, right? But being touched by the power and the grace of God, she says, I'm going to come back and I'm going to find every widow in Joppa and I want to make sure that they know somebody cares about them and somebody loves them and somebody's going to provide for them she might have, have had means. I mean, apparently she did in some way because she could not only provide for herself, but she was providing for other people. And, and she chose to use her gift not just to advance herself, but to touch the people that Jesus cared about the most. And she went to the marginalized, the lowest rungs on the ladder in the city. And she said, I want you to know God loves you in the best way, not just in this kind of marginal way, but you're going to know that God loves you as a widow in the city. And as a woman, I want you to have something nice to wear. And so she's, she's saying to them that when you walk through the streets of the city, people aren't going to say, well, she must be a widow. Look at what she's wearing. But they're going to look at you and say, when you walk through the city, wow, that's a great outfit. Where did you get that? <laughs> and that's exactly why Patricia and our out, outreach team goes to Memorial Park to hand out backpacks, to hand out food, to hand, and, and to offer food and drink. And maybe you're like, well, you know, what's the story? What, we, can, we can have so much cynicism rise up inside of us. Let's not do that. Let's hear stories. Let's, let's love them. Let's love people where they're at. And then joy can be found in dignity. And dignity, Dorcas said, I'm going to give dignity to every widow in this town. I'm going to give them clothes that I'm going to sew with my own hands. And out of dignity comes joy, right? And so when she died, they wept. But when she came back to life, they celebrated and they rejoiced. The, the last thing I want you to see about Tabitha, and we'll wrap up with this, is that she was a cause for salvation all over the city. She was a cause for salvation all over the city. Well, no kidding, man. I mean, when you rise up from the dead, that's going to cause some people to pay attention, right? And so, get this, verse 42. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. Many people, I would really appreciate it if it had said, and every single solitary person believed. <laughs> that was, means that there was somebody that was like, oh, Tabitha, yeah, she got sick. I saw her, she was at the market, you know, like dead Tabitha, and all of a sudden she's there, like, whoa. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what happened, so I asked her, she said, oh, man, a God came and prayed for me in the name of Jesus, I was raised up from the dead. I was like, hmm, did you put your faith in Jesus? No. I was looking for something tangible, something a little bit more concrete. <laughs> I don't know. But you know, for the most of us, it's interesting. I think we hear the story of Dorcas and we say, well, you know, Sean, if I was raised from the dead, like if I died and all of a sudden, you know, the next thing I knew, Peter was sitting there, I'd be like, whoa. And, 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 and I would tell the whole world about that too. I would. I mean, there'd be a move of God in my neighborhood, the family, and everybody would hear about it. And, and if I was dead, and then by the power of God, I came to life, you'd see the ripples of that in my life. I mean, if I had her story. 
God intervened by the power of Jesus in some way and I became alive again, everybody would hear about that. Trust me, if I had her story. Are you with me? Who has that story? Let me ask again, who has that story in this room right now? Who has that story? Don't most of us in this room who have said yes to the rescue of Jesus in our life have that story? You see, I was dead, but Jesus brought me spiritually from death to life. Eternal life, and I am a living, walking witness. Jesus makes dead things come alive. I mean, if, if, if I got raised up from the dead, Sean, like the doctor came in and said, we can't do anymore, and then like the next day I'm walking around, oh, I'd call my uncle, I'd call my family, I'd tell all my neighbors. Tabitha started a salvation party all over town because she'd experienced the greatest thing of all, which was the power of God to bring the dead to life. As we get ready to pray this morning, um, think, about, think about this. Think about the prodigal story. That's what the father said. You know, he said, this is my son, when his son came back into the picture, right? He didn't say, he's such a rebel. He didn't say, he didn't say you know, my son, you were an idiot. He didn't, he didn't look back at the past. It, it was, he was dead and now he's alive. He was lost and now he's found. Right? Kill the fatted calf, start the music, See, every one of us has cause to be written in as people of the fine print because we've got a story to share with the world, an incredible story of grace. So maybe you're not a seamstress, but if you are, hello, meet Tabitha. <laughs> but what can you do well and how can you use what you can do well to look for the least of these, to find the people in the margins? How can you cover and bring dignity to people by simply doing the things that you do well. So you, you may be single. You may be a, a widow yourself, man or woman, widowed by death, widowed by divorce, widowed by abandonment. Maybe there never was a husband or a wife in the story from the beginning and you've been alone and you've been isolated and you feel like you're on the margin. You feel like I'll never be significant in the story of God. Look at all these other people. They have families. They have this. They've got such an advantage. Listen to me. You have all that you need right now. Wherever you are, if you will just choose to say, God, write me in. I receive your grace. And I'm filled with your power. And I want to step into your story. And I want to move from just attendance to being a part of the story. I want to be used by you in the story of God. I want to put my shoulder into your vision for my life, your purpose for my life. And I'm not going to live one more day saying, well, I could have or I would have if X, Y, and Z. But I'm just going to go out with purpose in my life and say, I'm, I'm the very best person to step into the story of God because of X, Y, and Z. I'm going to be used in the power of God because he's writing me in. But when a widow steps in, touched by the gospel, and makes a way for every widow in the town, that's a power story. That's a supernatural Jesus story. 
That's the kingdom turns the world upside down story. It's a person who should be at the bottom, but yet God brought her to all the way to the top story. This is the people of the fine print story while we celebrate the lesser known yet extraordinary people who have happily carried the cause of Christ and joyfully and faithfully built his church. Um, there's someone at our, on our Destiny team here at Destiny. Her name is Kristen Rockmore. Kristen's primarily, primary role is to serve in our nursery. And she does that faithfully every single week, 6.15 every single Wednesday night. Kristen comes in here and plays with and cares for the little ones who are here on Wednesday nights. And some of you serve in nursery too. There are people who will come and say, let me hold the baby. Let me change this diaper. Let me wipe the snot off of their faces, right? Let me make sure that pandemonium doesn't break out in this little room of toddlers and babies. Let me hang out in here while Mr. Visibility over here talks too long. <laughs> and I'll hold the babies the whole time. I'll be in here to the very end. Let me come and provide a place where kids' hearts can be planted and they can spring up in the soil and the grace and the goodness of God and grow into the people that God wants them to be. We don't have babysitters in the nursery. We have leaders and ministers who are praying over your children who are believing for your children to see the vision and the purpose of God in their lives. And your children come into this house every week. And I'm telling you what, our nursery team is not visible in the house unless you've got a kid in the nursery. And if you've got a kid in the nursery, you already know. You already know who they are. You thank God for them and you love them. And a lot of people in this house today love Kristen. She serves our house. And you can find her in the nursery sometimes on Sundays. But every Wednesday serving our house. Think about that. She didn't know that we were going to talk about her today and she probably doesn't want any spotlight. She's not looking for a headline. She just comes giving of her time to serve this house week in and week out. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that the beautiful nature of the story of God? And so... To all the Christians in our house this morning, you might not be visible, but you are our viability. You are visible to somebody, but you are the viability of everybody in this house. And I just would invite all of you today, there is a place for you in the story. But it will never happen because of guilt or a recruitment campaign or me leaning in and saying, you know, come on, you got to step out from the tender category and move into, you know, the join us category. No, it, it really won't work well that way. In fact, I don't want anybody to join a team or sign up to be a door holder just because of some sense of I should probably do this. Our prayer is that the gospel will explode in every heart in this house. And when it does, I already know what's gonna happen. People are gonna sign up to be door holders. <laughs> And they're going to they're gonna come in here saying, I'm not just here to receive, but I'm here to be a part of the story. Whatever that looks like. Out in the streets, here in this building, here on Wednesday nights, leading a small group. Out, 
wherever it is that God calls you. But I'm going to be a part of the story of God. He's the headline. I'm not looking for a headline. I don't need it. As long as he gets it, I'll be happy. I'll be good. But write me into the story in my lane of culture, in my lane in the city, as a seamstress, as a homemaker, as a financier, whatever God puts me, I'm going to put him the first in my lane because Jesus is alive. Amen. Let's stand this morning. Amen. Father God, (laughs) thank you for inviting us to be a part of your story. God, thank you for the fine print. God, thank you for every single person in this room that gives their life to love and serve you in all the various ways and all the various giftings and places. You have a place for every single one of us. So today I just pray that you would open up our eyes, hearts, minds to step into the story that you've called us into. God, help us not to be a church that's just comfortable or satisfied sitting outside of that. God, we want to step in, whatever that looks like. If you're here this morning and Jesus hasn't been a part of your story, we want to invite you into that story because that's the greatest story of all. And so if you haven't said yes to Jesus or you're hearing this this morning and you're thinking, oh, you know, he's been a part of my story before, but I need to resurrender. There's been some stuff. There's been some choices. I need to come back to Jesus. This is your morning. This is your morning. And so with nobody looking around, I just want to open up the invitation for uh, those of you that are in the house this morning to say yes to Jesus. I can tell you just personally that it's been the, <laughs> a roller coaster ride, but it's been worth every turn. So if that's you, raise your hand. Nobody looking around. I see your hand. Anybody else? else here this morning all right let's pray this together this morning father God my life is yours all that I am I surrender thank you for the cross thank you for your purpose for my life for coming to my rescue and giving me new life It's a rebirth this morning. And for that I celebrate. In your mighty name we pray, amen and amen. Come on, let's celebrate this place this morning.